everybody, welcome to Cinema Trip Reviews. Today on the show, we're discussing Hulu's Hellraiser. everybody welcome back to cinema trip reviews i am wyatt and today we're gonna to be talking about hulu's hellraiser which was just released over the weekend uh directed by david bruckner who has has done some really cool things he directed a segment on the vhs original movie that came out and a lot of the directors that were involved with that went on to do some great things uh he also directed the ritual which was a, a netflix release which i thought that was a very good movie uh, I, I think it came out in like 2017. I remember watching it around then, and I was very impressed with it. It was a very spooky, very creepy movie uh, in the woods. Definitely recommend that one if you haven't seen it at all. Uh, he also directed a couple episodes of Creep Show for Shudder. Uh, he also went on to direct The Night House, uh, which I haven't gotten around to see as of yet, but I've been hearing uh, pretty good things about it. Um, but of course, this this movie, Hellraiser, has been getting a lot of hype over the, the past couple months, or it pretty much since it was announced because we haven't had a hellraiser movie in quite some time there really there was some promotion for it but we got a trailer for it really late you know could be a cause for concern now a lot of talk around this movie was when it was first announced of course doug bradley uh who was the original pinhead of course he wasn't coming back for this one uh we actually ended up getting jamie clayton who's playing pinhead in this movie she does a fantastic job you know i i was never worried about her coming in and filling the shoes of pinhead i know a lot of people were kind of a little worried about that or just screaming that it 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 doesn't feel right where it's kind of a more accurate representation of what was in the original book that Clive Barker wrote. Uh, Cause everybody knows Hellraiser was based off of Clive Barker's original novel. And I'm actually reading the book right now. I'm really digging it. Uh, I recently rewatched the, the first two Hellraiser movies and man, that first one, it, it grows on me with every, every viewing. Cause as a kid, I, uh, I wasn't really into Hellraiser growing up. You know, I just, it was very disgusting. You feel like you needed a shower after watching it. Um, it just wasn't for me growing up. Uh, I wasn't into the whole just disgusting blood and gore BDSM stuff. And, and you know, the, how horny the movie is i just wasn't into that growing up and i watched it more and more it really grew on me and i really grew to appreciate that movie uh the second one i feel like it's still trying to grow on me a little bit i mean i recently rewatched it and i don't know i feel like they definitely tried to go out on a limb and do some some new crazier stuff with it but i don't know it's okay you know, I still love that that original first Hellraiser, though. It is, is fantastic. Now, I didn't really have too many worries going into this one other than that they released the trailer really late for it, uh, which kind of concerned me a little bit because normally if they release the trailer super late because they released it like less than a month up until the movie premiered um it was kind of a cause for concern that maybe the studio didn't really believe in the movie um which you could say that just by pushing it on the hulu um but we have been getting some of these direct to streaming uh movies that actually have turned out really well i mean look at prey that was just released on hulu a couple months ago um that turned out fantastic i really liked prey um so it, it, there was some reasons for causing a concern, um, but there was also some reasons to be kind of hype about this. Now, for the movie itself, it was okay. Um, I think I had higher expectations going into it. You know, they were hyping it up. All these early reviews were coming out saying it was great. It was one of the probably the next best Hellraiser up there against the original one or two, um, where I'm sure it. Uh, I mean, I've only seen some of the other sequels within Hellraiser, but I'm sure this is definitely better than most of the other sequels to Hellraiser for a good reason. A lot of those original Hellraisers were very low budget, straight to video releases, where just looking at this one, you can tell it easily tops it with the budget, the look of it, the style of it. Uh, they kind of went all out with this one. 
And I mean, that's not one of my complaints at all. The movie looks fantastic. It's very slick and clean. The character designs were really cool, uh, especially like the Cenobites. Uh, you don't have the the leather BDSM stuff with the Cenobites in this one. Um, pretty much all of their design is just based around just the ripping and tearing and, you know, pulling of the flesh that, you know, that is on their bodies and just distorting them to crazy lengths. Um, which, I mean, that's exactly what you would like to see out of these Cenobites. Uh, it would have just been cool to see kind of the cool leather Matrix-looking Cenobites that we got originally. But I, I kind of understand that they want to kind of go in their own direction with this, because this isn't a, a sequel or a prequel or, a con you know, connected to the original franchise anyway. It's kind of a, a do-over, a start-over, a good starting point for the, a new series if they decide to go and do more sequels with it. Now, for the most part, I like the look of a lot of the Cenobites. Uh, very uh, grotesque and disturbing looking. Uh, of course, you got the chatter in there. Uh, you didn't get the, you know, you didn't get Butterball in this one. He didn't make an appearance in it, but you got a couple other cool, cool-looking Cenobites in there as well. The chatterer was always one of my favorite, and it's a fan favorite as well, but it was cool seeing that, that Cenobite back. Um, but of course, the the darling of the Hellraiser series is Pinhead. With Jamie Clayton coming into this movie as Pinhead, uh, you know, there was some controversy around it. Some people didn't really like it. But this really is this, the Pinhead that you that resembles most closely to the source material, to the original book that Clive Barker created. Um, now, I thought Jamie Clayton did a very good job. Uh, I thought the voice was was fine. She had a great presence about her. Um, now I don't think that she did, she had a lot of really good lines or lines that stuck out like, you know, Doug Bradley did like the first two Hellraiser movies. A lot of the lines that he, he really took over that character and it just had a presence to it where Jimmy Clayton is great. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of some of the lines and some of the way that was delivered, it just didn't really have any staying power like some of the stuff that Doug Bradley did. And the same way with some of the kills in the movie, uh, which probably is one of my biggest complaints about the movie is you don't really get any cool kills in this. I mean, you get you get a decent amount of kills, but they're all pretty much kind of the same, you know, just pinhead using the chains to rip people apart mostly off screen so one or two of them you get in the background you one you get kind of a close-up um but they're all kind of the same type of kill there's not really anything like original about them anyway now you do get blood and gore in this movie but you really don't get enough of it i mean especially for like a hellraiser movie i feel the effects in it were great some of the practical effects now the thing with the cenobites where i like the look and design of them but you could definitely tell that it looks like they went over the practical effects with cg a little bit and that was kind of one of my complaints with prey originally was they have these great practical effects that they used but they kind of went over top of them with some cg just to kind of make them pop a little bit more and i think it kind of makes it look a little weird um where if they went with full practical effects effects for Prey and Hellraiser, I think they would have looked a lot better because that CG, you can definitely tell it's there. They definitely put some CG over top of a lot of this stuff. Um, now, the story itself, basic plot. Now, you got like this, this wealthy art collector named Roland Voigt who is trying to use the Lament configuration and go through all of its different forms to get the Leviathan that can grant him kind of a wish. And then he ends up like disappearing for six years and the main characters of the movie that we come across, which is like Riley, and you also got Trevor in there as well. They come across it and pretty much 
chaos ensues from there. She starts messing with it, going into the different configurations. And pretty much with each configuration, I believe there's like five or six forms of the box. Like, And each to get to each one, you have to draw some blood and there has to be a sacrifice made to get to the next configuration. And pretty much Riley is just ruining everybody around her's lives by with this box uh unknowingly sacrificing these people to the box to get it to the next configuration all hell ensues and people's souls get torn apart <laughs> like pretty much every other hellraiser movie um now i did like the aspect of the like four like five or six different configurations to the lament configuration uh and how you needed a sacrifice to get to the eat each one because as you're solving the puzzle a little bit each time and when you solve it this big blade pops out of the the box itself and cuts the person that's messing with the box and whoever gets cut and sheds blood on the box that's the next person up in line to have their soul torn apart pretty much <laughs> which I, I like that aspect of it i liked it and i like the story in them for the most part i like the story now my biggest problem of this movie is the characters and that is riley trevor and matt and uh not even matt's boyfriend because uh her brother matt is living with his boyfriend and she's living with them riley has been dealing with addiction for all these years you know pills alcohol drugs you name it and she's trying to get clean she's been sober for a while um but you know she ends up relapsing falling back into that you know the habit and just a fight ensues with her and her brother. Um, no, my biggest problem is with these characters. And I'm not talking about the actors portraying these characters. I'm talking about the actual writing behind these characters. And this is the same exact problem I had with that Resident Evil show that came to Netflix. These characters aren't likable at all. At all. Whereas in a typical slasher movie, usually you can get by that. Where it's like, okay, you don't like any of these characters. They're all going to get slashed and killed one by one until there's the final person who is probably the most likable of these of the movies in a slasher movie. And they're the ones that survive. Whereas this one, pretty much every single damn character in this movie is hateable except for her brother's boyfriend, <laughs> who I felt bad for this whole time because he was just getting dragged into this. His, his boyfriend just ends up disappearing, probably killed. And he's just kind of dragged into this along with Riley and Trevor, who was her boyfriend at the time. You don't really know what to think of him at first uh but it turns out he's a scumbag as well um but for the most part you're following riley through this whole movie and she's not a likable character at all they don't give you a reason to like her she's making bad decisions at every point when she has the choice and she purposely goes and does the wrong decision and just ends up screwing everybody else over in the process and this is the exact problem i have with the resident evil series if you're going to create a, a character that you're going to follow for all this time through a movie or a tv series you're going to have to make them likable or at least kind of make them overcome some of their problems and learn from them so you can like them by the end of the movie but you never really get that with riley in this movie this whole movie i just didn't really care about what happened to her because she was just screwing everybody else over in the process including herself just making these terrible dumb ass decisions and i understand that's probably what they were going for but she never overcomes any of her problems and she never really 
grows as a character. That's really what ruined it for me because I don't care what happens to her. I don't care what happens to this Trevor douche who you have that twist towards the end of the movie. He's a bad dude all along. Oh, I didn't like him in the first place, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Even though he was the one that was kind of telling Riley through the whole thing, like, don't fuck with the box. Don't mess with it. Don't do it. But the, yet again, he was kind of supporting her through the whole thing. So it was like, you're kind of pushing her in the, you know, the wrong direction. Even though you're telling her not to, you're still supporting her in these choices in a way even with towards the end of the movie where we are getting in the i'm going to get in the spoilers here pinhead kind of gives her the decision of okay you've you let a lot of people die so far so either if you want to give this up we'll take you we'll take your soul um if you want to just stop this here or you can give us a couple more sacrifices and you may be able to see your brother again you know she still chooses to go and help sacrifice other two people so she can see her brother again where I don't know why you would trust these Cenobites. Obviously, they're they're evil looking. They're going to try to trick you in some form. It was just so many stupid decisions, man. And I understand it's a horror movie. You have to have some stupid decisions going into these things. Um, but man, these they were so dumb. So dumb. And I understand Riley was kind of had her back against the wall. And she did only have a couple choices. But man, at that point, you're hurting everybody else. Just give a, give yourself up. Give yourself up for the greater good and let it end. Um, but no, she decides to push it even further and get more people hurt. Now, I did like how they were able to use the box to sacrifice a Cenobite. Chatterer kind of traps them against this gate, and they end up using the, the blade that comes out of the, the Lament configuration to stab it, and they sac and this, the Chatterer gets sacrificed, and it's one of the sacrifices in the box to go to the next configuration, uh, which was pretty cool. I didn't know you could use the box to sacrifice one of the Cenobites, um, which was an interesting choice. I liked that part of the movie. Uh, and of course, they try to do that going forward, but they end up sacrificing other people as well. Now, to get into like the, the main character that I mentioned before at the start of the movie, the art collector, you he sacrifices somebody else to get to the final piece of the puzzle, uh, which grants him his wish. And you think, and then from what you know, he disappears for six years and pretty much you assume he's dead. Nope, he's just been kind of people under the stairs living inside of the walls of this mansion that the main characters of the movie go to, um, and he's hiding inside of the walls, and he has a contraption within his chest. This movie has a lot of other pieces of horror movies into it. You got a lot of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street stuff, where every person that gets sacrificed to the box, if you get cut by it, you start kind of get a feeling of euphoria and you're drugged and you kind of get tele not teleported, but everything starts opening up. Like the room that you're in starts opening up into the world of the Cenobites. And it feels like a very nightmare on Elm street type thing, especially some of the later ones. And even like the remake of nightmare on Elm street, it feels very like that where you're getting, these people are getting transported into this other world. And it feels very much like a dream world where these Cenobites come in and they take you over and they kill you and rip your soul apart. And the other aspect of it is Wishmaster. The Wishmaster thing that comes into it is when you figure out the lament configuration, you get like one of five choices and you have like your own kind of wish. But of course, whatever you wish is going to get twisted around by the Cenobites and they're going to kind of make you pay for it in their own way. Um, like I think uh, the main dude that disappears at the end, he has this contraption inside of him, this big metal thing that's like just pulling and twisting the nerves of his body around so it just feels pain every so often but i guess his wish was original sensation and that's the sensation that they granted him was just this 
big metal contraption going through the middle of his chest that just yanking on all of his nerves, which is pretty gross and pretty bizarre and, and grotesque. And I thought it was a cool design, but that was a very like kind of a wishmaster type thing where they're just kind of twisting your words and making them mean something else to suit their needs. Uh, and it's not exactly the wish that you wanted. But yeah, he's been living in these walls. He's been living with this contraption in his chest for six, six or odd years. Um, but he's been working with this Trevor character to go out and use the put the box on like five or six un other unsuspecting people to get the Leviathan and grant himself another wish and get that shit out of him. But of course, um, some shit falls apart. A lot of people end up getting killed in the process. And it seems, it really seems like this dude that's, that was, you know, has been living in these walls, you know, that art collector, he ends up becoming like a, a superior or a, a Cenobite himself at the very end of this movie. Kind of, it reminds me kind of similar to what happened to the bad guy in, uh, in Hellraiser 2 a little bit. Um, now I don't really know the deep lore of Hellraiser, so I'm not going to get into that or, or, any specifics of it um i know pretty much just about as what everybody else knows just by watching like the first two movies and i'm kind of slowly reading the book a little bit i haven't gotten to finish it yet but overall man it was okay it was very mid um it definitely wasn't what i was expecting i expected a lot more out of this movie i just don't know it, it's just i think i think it felt very flat for me now i don't think it was a bad movie by any means um but i don't think it was a very good movie either it was very falls right into that mid category um and it's not something i would really expect myself to watch going forward it was a very uh you've seen it once that's about enough. You don't really need to see it again type movie. Hopefully they kind of learn from some of the mistakes they made in this movie and they learn to grow off of those and add on to that. Because I feel like if whether you bring in a, a new director, if you continue with this guy, um, you have to build off of this. And I feel like this was a very good building block. This is a very good starting point for a, a new a new series. Um because if they take everything from this movie and they they build off of it and they learn from some of the mistakes in this, I think the second one could be very good, depending on what they do. In the end, uh, that's that's the review. It was a very mid movie. If you're a fan of Hellraiser, definitely go watch it. Um, if if you're not, you're not really missing anything. Uh, <laughs> so make sure to like, share, and subscribe. As always, make sure to go follow us on Cinema Trip Views on Twitter, and also go check us out wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see everybody next time.